Welcome to another episode of Peak Potential Success Show. My name is Fon Chua. I'm an entrepreneur, business strategist, real estate investor, speaker, and also a best-selling author. Every single day, I have the opportunity to help others unlock the potentials and guide them to succeed. Today, I have an amazing guest. I met this person a few years ago, and when I saw him speak on stage, he was amazing. He was able to connect with people, he was able to engage with people, and his energy level was just absolutely phenomenal. And talking to him some more is actually so much fun to talk to him because he is a wealth of knowledge. He's a hospitality specialist, and he has worked with restaurants, casinos, hotels, driving their operational and leadership excellence. He's an actor, he's a speaker, He's also an author of the book, Lights, Camera, Action. So please welcome Master of Experiences, Mr. Mark Hain. Oh, boy, that needed some real like applause. And like I expected the whole like world to start doing the, the, the wave. <laughs> thank you so much for that introduction. <laughs> well, thank you very much for being here and your time for, for your wisdom sharing here on the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so for people who don't really know what you do, um, tell us a little bit of your history and what you do. Okay. Well, yeah, as you mentioned, as you mentioned, I'm, I've been a hospitality specialist forever and a day. I migrated from hospitality and then went into economic development where I got to use the principles I learned in hospitality to work with small business owners within a community, start looking at their businesses from different lenses. And from that, I realized that entrepreneurs bring an awful lot of passion into what they do every single day. They develop their business and they invested in their business based on a passion or a need that they saw at the time. And so what I see happen though, is I see that all too often, the fact that they're specialists in their fields, the fact that they're specialists in their business, they, they, a lot of them lack specific training and they are so busy working in their business that they can't work on their business. And they struggle with actually knowing how to lead their businesses. Really great at what they do, but they have a challenge with this idea of leadership. And the biggest, I think, challenge is that because they're specialists in one field, they don't necessarily have the marketing acumen or they don't necessarily have HR acumen. They, they, they're not really centered on all these different capacities you need in order to to um, run their business. And so from my experience working 25 years with small businesses, as well as what I learned in economic development, um, I, I work with the businesses and business owners who wanna create more employee and customer engagement. And I do this by actually helping them design their employee and customer experiences. We take a look at what are people's expectations. And in fact, the first chapter of my book of Lights, Camera, Action is this idea of experience expectations. And so ultimately, when I work with people, I dare people to lead with love and kindness first. So a lot of empathy, a lot of emotional intelligence involved there. Well, awesome. And, and you segued right into our, my next question, and that is, uh, tell us a bit about your book. Because I know, because as an actor, you actually have the, the right to combine acting and that whole industry with business. So let us know about, about your well, book. And, and, and it's... So it's funny that you said that because uh, I started acting in 2017. Um, a colleague of mine came into my office. She knocked on the door and she says, Mark, do you act? And I said, well, I act silly, I act goofy. Some, and most times I just act downright immature. And she goes, no, 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 no. I just want to know if you, have you ever been on stage? And I thought, 
this is a really interesting question. And then I thought about this idea of acting. It's like, I can't remember what I had for breakfast. Well, how am I going to remember my lines? And she says, no, no, you'll be fine. So I tried out for this part. And we went through three and a half months of rehearsals. At first, it was once a week. But then as we got closer to the date, it became twice a week. Um, I used to walk to work with my, with my headphones in. And uh, I was given the role of a, French, of a French gentleman. And so I'd walk down the street saying my lines out loud. You know, it is impossible. Nobody goes uh, swimming without their swim truck. And as I'm walking past people, I could, I'm looking at all these parents. I'm passing a school. And I could see them like holding their kids back and, and you know, hoarding them. And, and and, you know, I'm surprised nobody called the police and said, there's this weird French guy saying words out loud, right? Um, but then what I realized as we went through all this, first of all, what we rehearsed in a comedy, by the time you do this for three and a half months, doesn't sound so funny. <laughs> and when you're up on stage, and so here, here, this was community theater. So we had to not only rehearse our lines we had to help build the sets we had to move all the equipment onto the stage we had to make a deal with the with the caterer we had to set up the room we had to coordinate the volunteers we had all this work to do and i tell, tell you when you're standing up on that stage and you say a line that you've been saying now for three and a half months that you don't think is particularly funny and all of a sudden this roar of laughter comes from a room of 250 people at you something happens and that's when I realized that we were creating an experience. And after that first show was done, I came in early the next day and I literally sat on the couch on the stage and I looked at this empty room. And now keep in mind, my background to this point had been working with businesses. And I sat there and I thought, if businesses could put as much attention into their business as we did to put on six shows, their business would be phenomenal. And that was the catalyst for Lights, Camera, Action. I literally wrote the book, you know, looking at business operational excellence through the lens of live theater. What does it take to put on a show? What does it take to put on a business? Awesome. And so, Fong, I have a question for you. Every time we open the door to, to, a, to our business, isn't it like we're welcoming people in and putting on a show? Absolutely. It's like... You're, once you open the door to your, to your business, you're, you're performing. You're on stage and you need to put your best foot forward. So yeah, totally agree. And so this was, so this was my challenge as a consultant, like having, having this realization after doing this, this work. And so if you, if you think about it from the context of our day-to-day -day stuff, the day-to-day -day stuff would attribute to, you know, what we did before we ever got on stage. It's the co constant repetitiveness of what we do every day and, you know, everything that we do each and every single day. And then somewhere along the way, you lose the passion, <laughs> Right. And, and, but then if you have this idea that the minute I open the door, that we are now on stage, that we, our job is to create an experience for the very first person who walks through that door, all the way to the very last person who walks through that door. Awesome. Very, very well said and very appropriate for, for business, obviously. Now, as an actor and as the master of experiences, you totally understand the whole concept of wowing your clients and wowing your audiences because you know once you wow them they're going to keep coming back so do you have a story that you can share about how you wowed your clients uh, yes i was actually consult well i was consulting for a um for a small hotel in drayton valley and we they had a big challenge with 
their 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 place of business because that that hotel was the very ho- first hotel that was ever built in Drayton Valley. They had the business the business had a nightclub in there that was over seven thousand square feet. And they called me up and they said, you know, this is what we, we, we need to do something. We need to reinvent huge liabilities having this nightclub. I mean, it got to the point where the RCMP had to bring in three cruisers every Saturday and Friday nights, parked on the corners at 3 a.m. So when the bars closed, the 200 and something odd, you know, 20 plus somethings, walking into the street, overserved, they're drunk, they're walking through a community. And so all sorts of issues were happening. And the new owners of this hotel wanted to do something different. So we shut it all down and we decided, what does this community need? And ultimately we came up, we built a new brand called Oil Country Tap House. We were centered on creating a big city bar in a small community. And it worked. And I remember as we opened, there was an old gentleman, he must have been like 76 years old. And he walked through the door and he goes, I haven't been here since 1972. <laughs> and I said, oh, what's, what's the big difference? And he goes, it don't stink. <laughs> and so we were able to take this, this business and not only were we able to reinvent the business, but we were able to turn it around and be part of the community. And so we started getting all sorts of really great letters from the community thanking us for what we did because now property values went up because the amount of vandalism went down. Uh, people weren't pouring out at three o'clock in the morning being overserved. Um, it wasn't a big ruckus. You know? And the police, of course, didn't have to park the three cruisers every Friday and Saturday night. It was great. Awesome. Well, so for some people, you, you gave back to the community and they said, wow. Some other people, they go, oh, the vandalism came down. They said, wow. And for some people, it doesn't stink anymore. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) It's whatever matters to them, right? (laughs) Exactly. Everybody's experience is a little bit different. As long as you kind of are able to engage with every single person, then you've done your job. So awesome. Great story. Now, for somebody who is in the field that you are in, you deal with so many vast amounts of different personalities, egos, uh, difficult people, easy to handle people. How do you, how do you, connect with so many different types of people and adjust the way you communicate? At the end of the day, it's about this idea of being empathic. Um, There's that poem that was written back in the 1800s, and it ended up with saying, you know, walk a mile in somebody else's moccasins. Whenever you have, when it comes down to difficult people, it's not the person that's being difficult. They have a perception and an expectation. And so as, as the service providers, it is up to us to make absolutely sure that we are listening to whatever the concerns are. Whenever anybody, like I have a theory, if people are mad about something, they're mad, not because something was wrong. They're mad because they're harping on the problem. They're not dealing with the problem. And you'll, you'll notice this a lot of times now, I think online reviews is a perfect example of this, where you'll be in a business and people go, oh, how was your service today? Did you find everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was great. Thank you so much. And you leave. Now, some, I don't know if it's because we're Canadian, but something happens between the time we get back into our car and we commute home, because by the time we get home, we become this keyboard worrier. We take our keyboard and we start hounding out everything that was wrong with the, right? And, and it was terrible. ultimately when it comes down to asking the questions the reason why we get this empty oh it's fine it's like i don't know about you fong but (laughs) if a woman ever says to you it's fine 
It's not fine. <laughs> Stop. We have to we have to strive for better than just fine, <laughs> right? It's we have to dig a little bit deeper. So when you deal with people, it's not the people that are the problem. They have they have challenges. They have issues that they need to see resolved. And so by putting ourselves out first, and the mindset is. I'm going to deal with this person. I don't know who this person is. I don't know what their personality type is. But my only role right now is to be of service. That is it. Nothing else. My only reason for being. Huh? Have you ever found yourself, you know what? For this person, I'm going to play this character. For this person, I'll play this character. (laughs) I think we do adjust. There's absolutely no doubt about it. We we do adjust, I think, how we come across. I mean, I could tell you a story once when I was in a casino about having to um, kick somebody out. And, you know, he, uh, I was behind the bar and he came up this, he was mad because a server cut him off and he felt disrespected. And this is a big thing now. As adults, something happens to us. Because as adults, we stop telling people that our feelings get hurt. And really, at the end of the day, when we get upset about something, we feel disrespected. Our feelings are hurt. And so we have to recognize that, that when somebody comes in upset about something, their feelings are hurt about something. And so this, in this particular circumstance, this, this gentleman came in and, and so he was upset. And so I, um, I suggested that that was the end for today and I would escort him out. Well, the minute security saw him, like the bartender called security and they were coming, they were swarming around us. And so he starts taking off his jacket and he, he starts, you know, pumping up for the, for the security and he's ready for a fight now. And so I looked at him, I said, have I disrespected you? And he goes, no. I said, then why are you disrespecting me? And so right then it calmed everything right down. The funny part of it was when I got to watch surveillance afterwards, as you see me watch, walking him to the front door and shaking his hand, you know, here's him and here's me. And I literally went up to his chest and said that, <laughs> right? So it was like, I didn't realize he was so big. Anyway, um, ultimately, you do have to adjust your, your delivery. You have to adjust how you come across people, but recognize first and foremost, they have a challenge and they just want to see that challenge resolved. Wow, very awesome. Now, during the period of time of, of COVID and people are locked down, one of the business and industries that really took a hit is travel and the hospitality business. Restaurants are closing down, casinos, like all of Vegas got shut down. How, how did you adjust what you've been able to consult uh, when it came to the problems that they're facing during that time? You know, problems are kind of like the ocean. You see the wave come in, no matter what you do, you can't change the direction of the wave. And so you need to be able to, as a business owner, you need to be able to say, this is the direction the wave is going to take me. So now I need to adapt. And so just recently, I was listening to a surfer talking about how he reads the waves and how he approaches waves and so on based on how high they are, what, what kind, kind of velocity they're traveling at and so on. And I think as business owners, we have to do exactly the same thing. We have to take a look at what some of the challenges are and say, okay, how can we how can we follow this through? You know, very early on, my very first episode of uh, my podcast, Mark Hain Live, I talked about the need to use the downtime to invest in our businesses. I mentioned talking to, at, so this was back in uh, the end of April. And so I was talk, mentioning people need to be contacting their landlords now. And this was at the end of April. You need to be signing a deal, getting an understanding of what's going to happen if this goes on as, as long as it has. 
you need to start taking steps to working with your employees and finding different things. And I am a big fan. If you have problems, bring as many people who support you into that and have conversations with them. If you have people who support you, your employees, your customers, bring them in and saying, hey, this is the challenge we're facing. What do you think we should be doing? And it's amazing to see the amount of ideas that will come through the, that, that brainstorming session. And so a perfect example was a bakery. Like bakeries were affected. They're part of the hospitality industry. They were affected. And nobody was, was coming out to buy bread. They had no customers. They were locked down. And so what they decided to do was they took the front part of their store and they turned it into a retail shop because they were hearing that you couldn't get yeast at the grocery store. You couldn't get flour at the grocery store and so on. So they, they bought all the stuff in bulk and they prepackaged it. Mm-hmm. And then they advertised it and they sold as a kit. Well, and not only did they sell it as a kit, they actually created videos. Here's how to bake our French bread. Here's what you need. And then you can go into the store, you can order it online, <clears throat> and they would run a kit out to you in the car with, the, with all the flour, all the yeast, all the stuff that you needed. Mm-hmm. And then you would take it home and watch the video and they, you would bake your own bread. Wow. Right? What a great way to pivot the business. Right? Uh, you know, one, I, I loved what Travel Alberta did through this time. Travel Alberta is the marketing agency for Alberta for travel and tourism. And they kept running the ads and they kept, they would show the beautiful mountains. They'd show, you know, the, the skylight of Edmonton and Calgary and all this sort of stuff. And, and they said something to the effect of, it's still going to be here for when this is all over. Yeah. Right? So, Right now, the mitigation I think businesses need to do is just understand that this is temporary. This is a wave. And if you can do something to pivot your business today or reinvent your business or do something to your business to keep it moving on, then you're going to be so much better. Right. And a, a perfect story comes to mind, a, a welding shop in Kalmar. This was back in... Um, 2018, the, the oil crisis was happening, 2016 to 2018, it really hit his business. He, was, he had 25 employees, 25 employees servicing the oil industry. And all of a sudden, it just came to a grinding halt with all the issues with Saudi Arabia and Russia doing their thing, and it just crashed everything. Yeah. And, and so all of a sudden, he started laying off his employees one by one by one. And he... Luckily, he went to his cousin's house for a fire pit one, this, during that summer and saw the fire pit his cousin had and thought, that's junk. Like, where'd you get that? And so then he went back. He, he and his partner designed his own fire pit. And so all of a sudden, he has, he's making these really amazing fire pits. And it's, it's, um, it's a place located in, in uh, Kalmar, and you can buy them. They're not cheap, but they're all personalized. They are all designed. They're beautiful. They foot rests the whole bit. They're about $500 each. Mm-hmm. And uh, he started selling those and he made one for his cousin. Then his cousin's friend saw it and went, I want one. And then he started making more of them. And then before you know it, he's got global TV in his shop. He's got me talking to him. I interviewed him for my book. And all of a sudden he's created a whole new business because he was willing not to say, that's not what we do. Right. We, do, we do this. Uh, we, don't, we don't do this stuff. Um, so being open to those kind of alternatives and being open to opportunities that exist on the fringes is a perfect way to do it. Great. Now, as a person who consults uh, other businesses and your clients, uh, you have your own mentors and your own coaches that support you as well. Uh, what is the most important aspect of coaching? And what is one of the most 
uh, great coaching advices that you've ever gotten? First of all, in order to get a coach, I think as leaders, we need humility. We need to understand that we don't do it all alone, that we don't have all the answers. And I think the minute that you turn around and say, you know what, I can check my ego at the door, you're then open to receive feedback from other people. So that's to be coached. I think that is integral. Um, I've worked with a lot of business owners who have been, you know, I've been working my business for 20 years. There's nothing you can teach me. Yeah. And, and it's like, ultimately, these are the people who right now are failing. These are the people now who haven't been able to, to ride the wave. And these are the people who are ultimately are going to be out of business. Mm-hmm. When it comes down to this idea of coaching, I mean, obviously, coaching is about being of service to the other person. Yeah. Right? There is no me. If I'm a coach, there's no me in the conversation. It's all about who we're servicing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's a, that's the perspective of being a, a coach e being, being somebody being coached and from the perspective of a coach as well, it's about this idea. I'm here to be of service to you. And as the coach E I've just made up a word. See, I do that often. Uh-huh. Um, as a coach E, I, um, I, I am going to have the humility to understand that I don't have all the answers. Great. Now, for people who are watching this right now, it is absolutely obvious that you're full of energy. So <laughs> up and you're ready to go. So the question is, how do you harness that energy and what wakes you up in the morning? Like how, how do you start your day? Um, so, I, so I start my day with a gratitude exercise. Um, I'm usually on my elliptical over there. And I go through a gratitude exercise. So I go through a breathing exercise as I'm doing the elliptical. And then I, I go through a gratitude exercise where for about five minutes on the elliptical, I talk, I, I talk to myself about everything I'm grateful for for that particular day. Uh, you know, once you do that for about five minutes of breathing and gratitude, it's really hard pressed to start saying how sucky your life is. <laughs> And then, and then I start doing visioning. I start, while I'm on the elliptical, I start visioning what my day is going to be like. Here's, I know I'm going to be meeting with Fong today. How's that interview going to go? I, 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 I picture in my head, I pre-play what I have, what I expect for the day. Mm-hmm. And by the time I'm done, first of all, I'm, you know, so that's the first 15 minutes. And so the last 15 minutes, I'm just going full bored out because now I'm pumped up. <laughs> <laughs> I just go full bore on it for another 15 minutes. And that's my 30 minutes in the morning. That's my exercise, my routine in the morning to be able to get up and get going. Um, but what's more important, I think, is what I do the night before. I found that if I didn't pre-program what my day is going to look like at night, mm-hmm. I would wake up directionless. Wow. And so I would find that I would wake up in the morning, I'd kind of putz around, make myself a cup of tea, I'd read the newspaper. Yeah, and I'm doing this thing, but it's like, it's, it doesn't have a purpose. Mm-hmm. And so my routine at night is to first and foremost say tomorrow, here's what I want to take care of. Tomorrow, here's the challenges I want to overcome. Tomorrow, here's what I want to be ready for. Then when I wake up in the morning, I've already got it saying, hey, here's my success now. Now it's time for me to hit the elliptical and get all pumped up for the day. And now I'm ready to go. Awesome. So what you're telling me is this morning, both of us were thinking of each other. 
Because as I was taking my jog in the morning, I was thinking about you too. <laughs> there you go. Romance. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, for somebody who speaks on a lot of different stages, you have the opportunity right now to speak on the world stage. What's your biggest message that you want to share? My biggest message is as leaders, we have to lead with love and kindness first. Mm-hmm. I think when that becomes our MO, that we want to lead with empathy, with emotional intelligence first. We want to be able to look at situations, looking at uh, walking somebody's, in somebody else's moccasins. Um, it changes our perspective, right? When you go into a negotiation with just me, me, me in mind, then it becomes confrontational because I have my agenda, you have your agenda, we're just gonna keep going at it. When it becomes a question of, I need to understand what John's position is, you, attra- you, you change the conversation. You change the conversation because you start talking about what their needs are first. You start talking about how can I be of service to you first as we do this negotiation. And then it becomes pretty clear on how it sways, the, the, how the conversation sways. So I think as leaders, we need to stop thinking we have all the answers. Nobody's opinion matters. Like I grew up in the eight, like my first job was 1978. And I literally had a boss who would say, you know, don't, if I tell you to jump, don't ask me why, ask me how high. Mm-hmm. Like literally that was his philosophy. Like he would curse you on the floor, he'd call you names, like this whole thing about, you know, inclusive and, and, and diversive work, work environments. This one was um, divisive work environment. <laughs> and it was, it was a challenge. It was a challenge growing up from that. But, you know, I'm blessed because having had that experience now, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be a dishwasher. I know what it's like to be a middle manager. I know what it's like to be a general manager and be in charge of it all. And because I have those experiences, I could look at somebody and say, do you think you're capable of being able to do this task? I'm able to delegate more effectively because I can look at it from the perspective of what are their needs as I delegate this. And I truly believe that when we talk about employees and customers, I believe employees are our first customer. We take care of, and as Marriott, right? We take care of your employees and they'll take care of the customer. Wow, very, very good words, and I'm sure the world will benefit from that advice. So thank you very much for that. Uh, what would be the best way to get in contact with you or get a copy of your book and, uh, or follow your podcast? Okay, well, uh, my podcast is called Mark Hain Live, so you can go to my YouTube channel. Uh, so just Google Mark Hain, and uh, it's, we go live every Tuesday at noon Eastern time. And the purpose of the podcast is really to share skill building with leaders. It's really to share information on different ways they can think of different perspectives and different ways that they can uh, start developing themselves first. Um, the, my website is markhain.com. You can go there right now. My book, Flights, Camera, Action, Business Operational Excellence Through the Lens of Live Theater should be available this fall. I believe I even have a picture of the cover somewhere. I think I do. Look at that. As long as I stay out of the way. Yay. Um, and so it's, it's, again, it's, I think it's a good read uh, from the reviews I'm getting from people who have tested it out. They love the fact that it's conversational. I do a lot of stories. I paint a lot of pictures. And then I do this comparison between what it's like to be an actor of putting on a production and what it's like to run your business. And uh, I, 
that's going to be available in fall. I do have, like you mentioned, I, I'm a professional speaker. So I do speak on this. I speak on the different components within that book. Um, so Lights, Camera, Action is basically a framework where I talk about lights being, what is our why? Why do we do what we do? Do we have clarity in that? Because when we put on a, a, a play, right, we have a script. We have a reason to put on this play. It was funny. It's going to be entertaining. At the end of it, we have a vision of what that's going to look like when we put it on. The person who wrote that play had a vision. And so that works its way all the way through. And then camera is about becoming camera ready. So we talk a lot about rehearsals and the importance of training. And then, of course, action is service delivery, doing what we came here to do. <laughs> and that's the actual performance. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. Now, before I let you go, I have five very quick questions for you. Uh, yep. Just answer as you see fit. Okay. All right. So, which cartoon character would you love to have the opportunity to do a voiceover for? Mm. Marvin on Bugs Bunny. <laughs> What happened to the explosion? There was supposed to be a kaboom. There was supposed to be a big kaboom. <laughs> I was hoping I'll get an impression from you. So uh, that's, a, that's as close <laughs> as I got. The other one, the other one would be would be, of course, Grover, because I love his energy level. Uh, and and I love the fact that he doesn't have all the answers. Was that a monster at the end of the book? <laughs> oh, I'm so embarrassed. Wow. So you should be doing voiceovers too. <laughs> Uh, second question, who would you love to be able to share a screen with? I would love to be able to share a screen with Stephen Covey, Stephen Covey Sr. Awesome. Um, may he rest in peace. Uh, you know, I came across his book, um, Mid-80s, and it has been something that resonated. It was really one of the first books that I read. I wasn't a big reader growing up. But I read his book and it was the first time that I read something that it's like he pulled the philosophies out of my brain. Wow. Right? Great. Now, yeah. you, have, you have him in your dining room table right now or your kitchen. What will you serve him? What's your, what's your specialty? Now, you do rec realize that my background was as a chef, right? <laughs> it's like I grew up in a kitchen. Um, so so it, it'll probably be, you know, brome duck with a blueberry compote <laughs> served on a, maybe a bed of couscous, uh, lemon infused. Yeah, it's something along that line. Well, you, you hit my, my wants. I love that, so. <laughs> um, is there one fun fact that you can tell us about hotels in general? that people normally don't know about? You know, I, I don't think that people realize what it takes to service them. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if this is a fun fact or not, but I used to go into hotels as a customer before I knew what the industry was like. And I thought that they had elves who would make my room. Like I literally would leave my room for like a half an hour. And then I'd come back and it's like, the bed's made, the bath is clean, the towel's all, this is amazing, <laughs> right? And what I didn't realize was that, you know, in hotels, uh, on average, the housekeepers have 15 rooms per shift to do. So if you actually do the math, you have between 15 and 30 minutes to completely redo the room. And I have always been so blown away by the quality of work that housekeepers and janitors do. And it's one of those things that it's a thankless job because the only time a housekeeper gets recognition or even a janitor gets recognition for anything is when something is wrong. Right. 
Otherwise, the expectation is there. My bed is beautiful. It's wonderful. Thank you so much. These people are absolute superstars. Very good. I hope everybody from now on will give a little bit more credit to those people when they go, go travel. Absolutely. They deserve it. They're hardworking. Yeah. And uh, my last question is, what is success like? But before you answer that question, I have four random items here. So you're going to say success is like one of these items. Give me a number between one, one to four. Uh, success is like a three. One, two, three. So success is like a sock monkey. How is that <laughs> possible? You know, so success is like a sock monkey. And here's why. Success is like a sock monkey because you have to be pliable. You have to be able to bend to conditions. You have to be able to be flexible in your thinking. You have to be huggable. I mean, it's COVID-19, we need social distance, but virtual huggable. You need, it's like success is like being able to hold on to something that is just comfy. And if you can give that as a leader, if you can give that to the people around you, you can be the best sock monkey ever. Very well, well answered. And thank you very much for that. So that's the end of our interview. Thank you for your time and the, your stories. It was a lot of fun talking to you. And everybody remember that success is like a sock monkey, as Mark Hain says. So yeah, thank you very much for your time. That's going down as a quote in my next book. Sounds Just so good. you know. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was wonderful hanging out with you. Great. So here's Mark Hain. My name is Paul Antoine. Until next time, today is the day to unlock your peak potential. We'll see you later. Nice.